Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for GWBC Radio's Open for Business. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of GWBC's Open for Business, and this is going to be a good one. Today, I have with me Vanessa Vaughn Matthews, and she is with a company called Asphalus Advisors. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Well, uh, Vanessa, before we get too far into things, can you share a little bit about your work? How are you serving, folks? Yes. Um, so I'm excited to be here. Um, our work is really in the space of helping clients to identify known and unknown threats around their people, processes, infrastructure, and their technology. So a people threat could be, hey, I've hired the wrong person and they became a, a reputational risk to the business. Or a um, operational risk can be, hey, I have an issue within my, my supply chain that's costing me money um, or that's impacting how we deliver the product or the service. Or from a technology perspective, it could be, hey, we have a cybersecurity vulnerability that's impacted the, the operation that's causing a liability cost. And so we help organizations to find those things before they happen and then give them a strategy to fix it. Now, how'd you get into this line of work? <laughs> Uh, that's a great question. Uh, so the the first story is I experienced a tornado with wind speeds exceeding 135 miles per hour that picked up my vehicle and totaled it while I was inside of it. And so I'm literally sitting in my car. There's a big a brick building that crumbled to pieces next to me. The wind blows and my uh, windshield bursts and my car goes off the ground. And there's cars, dumpsters, and billboards flying towards my head in the middle of, of the air. <laughs> and so for me personally, it was the first time in my life where I realized you are not in control and there's nothing that you could do to change this situation, which is ironically where I meet most clients today. So after that experience um, and a little bit before, most of my career was obtained in, in the space of Homeland Security and emergency management. I ultimately worked with the, the, the Department of Homeland Security in Los Angeles, did a lot of work at local and county governments, and then ultimately went in, into the, the corporate space um, from a retail manufacturing and aviation perspective, and did a lot of work in risk mitigation, crisis preparedness, and ultimately what people call today business resiliency. And that's helping companies to think about, you know, what are those things that can disrupt your organization, and how do we give you a strategy and a training to make sure that you can ab absorb that impact and bounce back. Now, I want to go back to the tornado because that I just that's freaking me out a little bit, to be honest. Uh, so you're in a car and you see there's a storm or something. You must know something's amiss in the weather, right? Uh, no, actually. No. So it was a beautiful <laughs> so it was a beautiful Friday afternoon as day turned to night. That was the problem right there was you couldn't see the, the tornado. Right. And it was in downtown at. Atlanta. So it was actually the first tornado on record to hit the city of Atlanta. So I didn't think it was a tornado. Really, I thought it was a bomb because it, it just came out of nowhere and mm -hmm. you couldn't hear the, 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 the train that people tell you that it right. sounds like. Um, so yeah, it just came out of nowhere. And <laughs> so you just held on to the steering wheel. I didn't have a plan. So you were just, you're, you're in the car and then all of a sudden it's on you. And now you're just holding on to the steering wheel, your seat belted in, like you're just going along for the ride and just praying? I mean, is that what's 
Is that how you do that's that? Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Um, I, I thought about getting out and running, but literally a brick building crumbled to pieces next to my car, and then a light pole fell parallel to my vehicle. So I felt like I was safer inside of the car than running outside. So now when you go through that, so then, I mean, the, I'm from South Florida, so we had hurricanes, but hurricanes are like slow moving. You see, oh, it's coming in two days. Oh, wait, one more day. It'll be here. Like it's, you see it coming. I mean, it's devastating while it ha- happens, but it, it's kind of a slow motion thing. But your thing is so random and it could have happened anywhere, but then it goes away as fast as it came, right? Yep, absolutely. So now what, the thing's over, you land back on the ground how do you kind of process that? <laughs> yeah. So what's funny, this, this was kind of pre Twitter. So everybody thought that I was lying and that it didn't happen until the evening news caught up with the tornado. Mm-hmm. And during that time, it, it was about three or four tornadoes that touched down in the city of Atlanta. Um, one person ended up losing their life. 50 people lost their homes. There was an SEC championship basketball playing at the Georgia Dome. In the middle of the game, the roof ripped off the, the dome, and 50,000-plus people began running out, outside. Right. And so um, – <laughs> I, I so remember it, it, I remember when that happened. All the windows from the West End blew out, and not all, but a lot of them. Like, it was a traumatic uh, moment yeah. for downtown Atlanta. I remember it vividly. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. when it's over, how do you assess, like, okay, I'm alive. My car is probably trashed. Like, what are you thinking about? Like, what, are you, you going to call your mom? Like, what What do you do? <laughs> All of the above. So, yeah, I think the first thing is, one, just being grateful that, hey, I'm alive and I'm still here. Number two, what that experience helped me to do was to refocus about what my priorities were. Um, because my, my, my perspective was you could have easily lost your life and you didn't. So what are you going to do with it? You know, what, what, what impact are you going to make and how are you going to leverage this experience? Because the big thing is, is I didn't have a plan and I'm in the field of crisis management and business continuity. Everybody comes to me to figure out a strategy for how to move forward in disruption. Well, Mike Tyson always says, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Well, my punch in the mouth was a tornado. And for some people today, their punch in the mouth was COVID-19. Right. Right. So just taking that opportunity and one being grateful, but then two, what am I going to do next? And then, so, I mean, I would think having gone through this, you have a lot of empathy for what your clients are going through because you faced a crisis head on, you know, kind of lived to see the other side of it. And also is, are that much more aware of, okay, you got to put some things in your case, it was kind of random. It's hard to prepare for that, but I'm sure you can prepare for bad weather, but in business, there are some things that, you know, they're not going to happen guaranteed, but there's a likelihood depending on your business that these kind of risks are going to occur and these crises are going to occur. So be prepared. Yeah. You know, so you mentioned a great word and that is empathy. Um, what what prepared me for COVID-19 was not only the tornado, it, you know, it was also the experiences that I obtained in my career from helping to manage hurricane evacuations, you know, shutting down uh, facilities from a global perspective, fires and floods. I've experienced active shooter simulation drills, plane uh, crashes, um, uh, infectious, you know, disease um, simulations and, and things that we've, we've, we've worked through. 
prison escapes, um, cyber threats. Um, so I've worked with a, a number of things in, in my career. But the other thing that I think was important too was I've experienced my COVID-19 before COVID-19. And so I understand exactly what it's like to go over 14 months with no revenue. I know what it's like to lose your entire pipeline. I know what it's like to have to lay off your entire team. I know what it's like to have your business model get to a place where it's stagnant and you don't really you know, know what to do next. I know what it's like to hire a horrible person that causes a, a, a reputational risk to your business. And then more importantly, I know what it's like to lose your confidence in that entire process and not know what to do next. And so what I've had to learn in my own experience of going through my own crisis, one, from an industry perspective, and then two, from a business ownership standpoint, is how to pull yourself up out of that and find the things within you that you did not know existed. And exactly to your point, what helped me to serve in COVID um, was those experiences because it created empathy. I can now be more empathetic because I understand. And, and so I think for our clients, what they care about is she gets me. She understands where I'm at. And we have clients that you know are in the um, enterprise level. We have some, some clients that are on the government side, some small business clients, as, as, as well as on the nonprofit side. And being able to be able to meet those four different groups of people where they are has been absolutely critical. Now, what are you telling your clients, uh, some of which I'm sure prepared better than others, but like what are kind of those um, tough love conversations you have to have with them at this point when we're in it now? Yeah, so uh, we've been working with our clients since January. So in January and February, many people in the United States were not even concerned about COVID-19. Many of them thought that this, you know, would never happen and we were overreacting. So from the beginning and even into the recovery phases of where we are now, we've been helping them uh, with providing them expertise and intelligence. Um, they've really enjoyed tapping into our breadth of experience, as well as the network that we have um, to give them information um, that's firsthand so that they can make more informed decisions. We help them to identify known and, and unknown threats. That's been critical. So for some organizations, they're in a multi-state um, uh, uh, structure and so being able to to know well what's happening in this jurisdiction versus this jurisdiction or what are some of the requirements that are coming out that I need to be aware of to keep the, the to to reduce the liability for the organization. For some of them, we're helping them to create decision making tools so that they can think about how do they navigate this road ahead because what what what's constant in COVID is change. And change is always constant, but it has accelerated in this environment and they're not accustomed to that level of uncertainty. Um, we're helping them to craft a message that they can sell not only to their shareholders, but to the employees, the suppliers, and the customers, right? You, you know, so you can say that you wanna reopen, but how do we know that we're reopening because of people first or are we putting the bottom line first? So helping them to really think through what they're saying and what they're doing um, and, you know, we've, we've also been someone that they can latch on to. Um, how do you lead when you don't know where you're leading to? You know, when what I was leading to six or eight weeks ago is much different over the next 10, 20, 40 weeks. And so we're helping to uh, help them to, to think about how do you redefine what success looks like and where do we go now? Now, how are you uh, helping them kind of deal with a, a timeline? Are you giving them kind of 
30, 60, 90 day timelines? Are you giving them a year to look forward? Uh, like, um, you know, what, what does the end look like to you in terms of time? Ah, that's a great question. Probably the number one question that we get. Um, so first I'll caveat by saying from a business continuity perspective, this um, time frame that we're in where we're having to quote unquote recover and think about the new normal, we've never had to do it in this time frame that we're presented with, right? Typically, if there's a fire, there's a flood, if there's a you know a hurricane, you may go one to two months, maybe three, um, potentially six months, depending on the business and, and the type of crisis. But we haven't experienced a global crisis together that's impacting everybody that also creates an, an economic crisis at the same time. And so um, the, the first thing is even my industry is having to rethink a timeline. <laughs> Number two, we're dealing with the unknown, and that is the virus, because many health professionals have stated the virus dictates the timeline, right? And so how do you develop a plan when there is no cure at the moment or a vaccine, right? Um, so what we've taken guidance from is we have a um, counterpart, um, Dr. David Linsford actually came up with a COVID-19 recovery framework to quote-unquote cultural normalization. So how, you know, what do we define as the new cultural norm? And it's laid out in a phase one, phase two, phase three approach. And phase one is 10 weeks, phase two is 20 weeks, and then phase three is 40 weeks. And so at the date of this podcast our, or interview, that's really looking advanced into 2021 and helping them to think through how are you going to navigate um, over the next you know, 10, 20, 40 weeks into 2021? And what are those leading indicators? That's the key thing. What are those leading indicators that you need to be paying attention to? And when they meet a certain threshold, what decisions should, should you be making? Now, how are you helping your clients uh, from a leadership standpoint in order to communicate effectively with their uh, people uh, in terms of, there's like you said, there's so many unknowns. There's so much the information out there. There's so much misinformation out there. You don't know what's good information. It's hard to tell. Even educated people have a difficult time discerning what is the truth, what is uh, opinion, what are, you know, we don't have enough data in terms of facts. Like we don't know how many people have the disease. We don't know how many people um, have it or are asymptomatic. You know, there's a lot of unknowns in this. So do you err on the side of just um, being more careful and uh, conservative? Or do you say, you know what, since we don't know, we can err on the side because it doesn't look so bad, you know, in kind of certain, it depends on how you look at it. Things aren't that bad. So we can be more aggressive. So how, how do you kind of manage their kind of risk tolerance? Yeah. So from a communications perspective, I think it, it, it always starts with trust. Um, so we've, we've, you know, outlined, you know, what are the four crisis leadership principles that, that we believe that every crisis leader should have and, and should embody? And the first is trust. You always want to make sure that trust is established. And more importantly, trust is maintained. People don't follow people that they don't trust. So you have to lead with trust and integrity through your communication, which, 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 which can show up as transparency or openness. The second thing that we talk about is communication, which is absolutely critical that you're verbal, that you're non-verbal, you know, um, but, but communication from the concept of really 
taking this from the change management side, what do you want people to know when you are communicating with them? What do you want people to feel when you are communicating with them? And more specifically, what do we want people to do once you send off that communication? Oftentimes, we think about what we want people to know and feel. Very rarely do we help them think about what we want them to actually do. And so we, we've helped them to kind of think through what that process is. The third thing from a crisis leadership perspective is influence. You know, whoever is communicating or is the face of, of this crisis for, for, for the organization needs to lead with influence. And for us, that means having the character, um, uh, the connection, and the competence. And people, people can see those three different aspects from you. And then the fourth thing is being able to provide hope. Um, I believe that in this time, now more than ever, people need hope. You know, the economy may be reopening, but that doesn't mean jobs are coming back. So how are you giving them a message of hope so that they have a future that they can believe in? Even if they don't see it, you have to have that. And the reason why I believe that is going back to my own crisis, you know, I learned that, <laughs> in my opinion, you're not a real CEO until your business goes through a crisis. Because it's crisis situations that show you who you really are. It shows you how you show up, and it shows you your ability to be able to lead when everything around you is disrupted. And being able to, to have hope in the midst of chaos is absolutely critical for crisis leaders. Now, how has your organization kind of had to adapt to this um, difficult period we're in? <laughs> yeah, we had to stop and take a nap. <laughs> It's um, so when this first started, it 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 was pretty smooth, and then around March, when it caught up with the U.S., it it just felt like we were trying to keep our head above water. Um, you know, it's it's great that we're a crisis management company, so our expertise and our intelligence were used a lot and are continuously being leveraged. Um, but we definitely had to make sure that first, we, you know, we were taking care of ourselves. But from a purely business perspective, one thing is being able to quickly respond to the needs of our clients. We've seen a drastic shift. 85% of our clients are specifically focused on the supply chain. So they want training and capacity and the infrastructure built for their supply chain, tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers, so that those organizations can better leverage and strengthen risk management, crisis management, business continuity for the business. Whether you're a one-man shop or if you have 200,000 employees, if you're running a business and, and you have an operation, risk management is there to support the operation. So those principles are, abs are absolutely critical. The second thing is we are paying attention to the workforce. There's a lot of great talent that has been released from several or organizations. So we're going back to the drawing board and drawing on the relationships that we have to help identify talent for this future of where our company is going. Now, talk about the GWBC. How has that organization helped your company? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's really been about, one, being able to connect with women and seeing people who share your same experiences. You know, I'm a recently married person. And so connecting with other business owners who are married, who also run a business and who ultimately have children, 
there's a different dynamic to what that looks like than our male counterparts, so that's been amazing. I think the second thing is the network, whether that is through our small businesses or it's through the corporate partners that support GWBC, it's been a good opportunity to build on some of those relationships. And if somebody wanted to learn more about what you're up to and have a conversation, uh, is there a website? Absolutely. So if you want to follow the company on social media, we are at Asphalis, A-S-F-A-L-I-S, Advisors with an O on all social platforms, as well as our website, www.asphalisadvisors.com. And then for me, I am at Vanessa V. Matthews with one T on social media and on LinkedIn. All right. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work. Thank you. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you all next time on GWBC's Open for Business.